This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. We'll bring you those stories in just a moment. But first, breaking details about a fatal crash involving two float planes carrying cruise ship passengers. Those passengers just left Vancouver on Saturday. The planes crashed this afternoon in the George Inlet area near Ketchikan. Princess Cruises confirms both flights were carrying their guests, one returning from a Misty Fjords tour, the other from an independent tour. There are unconfirmed reports the planes collided. The U.S. Coast Guard confirms it's launched multiple crews, including a helicopter, along with two small boats from its station in Ketchikan. Currently we're searching for six people. Uh, there were 10 that we, um, that we uh, are accounted for, and uh, they're receiving medical care at this point. The exact condition of those rescued is not yet known. Princess Cruises is now saying that five people have died. We'll have much more on this breaking story as it comes into our newsroom. But for now, two float planes collided. At least five people have died. Now to an arrest and new details tonight in a murder that shocked the lower mainland. The victim, 19-year-old Kieran Desi, a university student who received a kidney transplant just months before she was found dead. Ramina Dea has more on the charge of second-degree murder now laid against her boyfriend. Ramina. Chris, I hit confirming today Kieran Desi and the accused 21-year-old Harjot Singh Dio were in a romantic relationship. Dio, a suspect from the start. Almost two years after 19-year-old Kieran Desi was discovered in a burned-out SUV in Surrey... Harjot Dio was arrested at Vancouver International Airport on May 10th. Where was he going? Is he that live VR? Where was he going? He was in Vancouver. He landed in Vancouver. He had landed in Vancouver? Yeah. So, so where did he land from? Uh, sorry, folks. Uh, I can't get into that. Can you tell us how long he was out of Vancouver? No, I can't. How come? Yeah. I hit will only say it was a domestic flight and there was no indication Dio was a flight risk. It's unclear how long Desi and Dio were a couple or whether she had tried to leave. Were police at all looking into any allegations from Miss Desi about um, abuse? I don't believe that we had any police files with respect to that. Surveillance video of two vehicles of interest released last December, a key piece of evidence. When Desi's body was found, I had said she was killed in a different location. Got a bunch of bagged evidence. Police conducted a week-long search at this Surrey home, but they're still not confirming whether there is a link. Dio's next court appearance, May 27th. Desi, a kidney transplant recipient and university student, being remembered as a fighter. I hope that there can be some small comfort in knowing the suspect has now been charged with her murder. 
Despite securing a second-degree murder charge against Dio, Ihit says this investigation is still active because there are people out there with important information about this case who have not yet come forward. Investigators are not commenting on potential suspects or whether more charges could be laid. Chris. Romina Dea reporting for us tonight. Thank you, Romina. A first-degree murder charge has been laid in connection with a violent struggle at a home on Vancouver Island over the weekend. Police were called to the home in Brentwood Bay early Saturday morning. Inside, they found one person dead and two others suffering serious injuries. Alan Charles Chapman is now charged with the first-degree murder of Emily Caruana. Chapman is due in court on Wednesday. Police say the attack was not random. We are learning more about a dramatic police takedown caught on video. The scene unfolded in the middle of traffic at night and 41st last Thursday. Witnesses report seeing an undercover police officer with a gun pointed at a vehicle. Then an unmarked SUV pulls up, a number of officers jump out, guns drawn, and two flashbang grenades go off. Police tell us a 38-year-old Vancouver man with a history of domestic violence and making threats was arrested. VPD say typically flashbangs or distraction devices are used when there's a threat of a weapon. It's not known if any weapons were found in this case. Criminal charges have been submitted to Crown Council and the investigation remains ongoing. To the wildfire season now and growing concerns over just how bad it could be this year, given the early start and the dry conditions. Crews tackling a new wildfire tonight just outside of Osuyas. Meantime, two others, one burning near Kamloops, another near Fraser Lake, are now considered held by crews. Tanya Beja has more on the fire danger rating and the perfect storm that's already pushing the risk to extreme in some areas. Drivers along Highway 3 get close-up views of a blaze burning west of Osoyoos. The 15-hectare fire broke out Monday and is considered out of control. Two dozen firefighters attack from the ground while a helicopter navigates the smoke above. A whole lot of lightning down there, like most of the fires at this time of year, uh, more than likely human caused. Smoke also blankets an area about 25 kilometres east of Kamloops. Wildfire spread quickly here Sunday afternoon, threatening nearby properties. The fire did come within, I'd say, 100 metres of this home when we first got here. So um, that was our main focus when we, when we arrived on scene. The flames came dangerously close to the fields where Courtney Harris keeps cattle and horses. We started getting hoses and sprinklers out. We just weren't really sure what to expect. The wind was blowing quite hard and the flames were coming and it was moving really, really fast. Crews attacked the 19-hectare blaze overnight and are now mopping up. They're also investigating the cause. Witnesses say flames ignited at three spots along the tracks after a CN train rolled by. Uh, it did ignite uh, fairly adjacent to a set of train tracks in that area. Obviously, we're going to have to do an investigation to find out exactly how it ignited. CN is also inspecting the tracks for damage and the train for mechanical issues. Oh, you can hear it. The 236-hectare Lijak fire that broke out Saturday near Fraser Lake is now half-contained and an evacuation order downgraded to an alert. All of this comes as roughly half the province falls under a high or extreme fire danger rating. Little rain, low snowpack and high temperatures combining for an early start to fire season.
record-breaking temperatures in some cases, you know, 5 to 10 degrees above average. So uh, it's not surprising that we're seeing an uptick in terms of fire activity. The province should see some relief this week with rain on the way. Tanya Beja, Global News. A heads up now for backcountry enthusiasts. There's been a major landslide near Pemberton. The slide came down last night off the northeast face of Joffrey Peak with a huge amount of debris ending up in the Cerise drainage. At this point, there's no indication anyone has been heard. Experts say it's a result of slope destabilization. The district is waiting to hear if a geotech will be sent by the province to assess the situation. The calls for a full public inquiry into money laundering have grown, and Premier John Horgan has hinted that his government is close to making a decision on it, possibly as early as Wednesday. Richard Zussman has more on the potential benefits and drawbacks if one is called. It's one of the most anticipated decisions Premier John Horgan and his cabinet will have to make. Will they call a public inquiry into money laundering in casinos, the housing market and luxury cars? The cabinet will discuss the issue on Wednesday and Premier Horgan is expected to come out of that meeting and announce to the public whether they are moving forward. Attorney General David Eby says there are lots of things the cabinet is considering. Um, and uh, potentially uncovering uh, new modalities of money laundering that we may not know about, uh, different uh, uh, loopholes that have been exploited by criminals. Uh, the downsides are uh, it takes a long time, costs a lot of money, involves a lot of lawyers, um, and uh, you may not get anything out of it at the end of the day that you didn't already have. The B.C. Liberals are opposed to the idea of a public inquiry, but want to see the decision made that will lead to prosecutions. For the government to decide whether uh, they utilize the resources of the government to do an inquiry at this point. Uh, but they need to clearly need to get on with uh, identifying and uh, prosecuting criminals so that we can stop money laundering in this province. EB says British Columbia is looking to Quebec and the Charbonneau Commission which looked into widespread corruption in the construction industry and ultimately led to some high-profile politicians going to jail. The public is also hugely in favor of a public inquiry, with recent polls showing that more than 70% of British Columbians want to see this happen. Now the question is whether those around the cabinet table agree. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. Businesses along Commercial Drive say the street has become a mess and the problem is only getting worse. And they're blaming residents who frequent a local shelter. Grace Key is live in the area with more on the issue tonight. And Grace, some of the problems they're describing there are quite disturbing. Yeah, disturbing, and some of them were actually caught on security camera. And some of the merchants we spoke with believe that the problems stem from the shelter behind me. The guy, I guess, when he was leaving, he had the lead pipe in his backpack, and he almost takes a swing, but then he just runs off. Staff have been threatened and pepper sprayed at the Super Value on Commercial Drive and First Avenue. Merchants along the drive say the problems are getting worse and more dangerous. The other night, we had seven attempt thefts in one evening. It's impacting our bottom line. We know that, you know, we, we don't catch everybody, but... It's just increased a lot. These needles were collected just in the last month at a parkade below Super Value. Property crime, public spaces being used as bathrooms and public drinking are a few problems some merchants say are spilling out all along the drive. Once more people arrive in the summertime, the fights and the drinking starts at 11 o'clock in the morning. 
the police attended regularly all last summer. Some say the problem escalated when the low barrier temporary shelter at the corner of Commercial and First Avenue opened in 2015. Perhaps there are better neighborhoods suited for this type of facility, but when you bring these facilities into the neighborhood, you have to manage not only the inside of the facilities, but the outside of the facilities, whether it's the retail district or the neighborhood. The City of Vancouver released a statement saying, we are aware that concerns have been raised around homelessness in the community unrelated to the operations of the shelter. The city has received minimal complaints through 311 related to the operations of the shelter. They just say, well, it's got nothing to do with us. And that's simply not true. I mean, we see what it's like when the shelter's open. We see what it's like when it's closed. We know the difference. And we've been here for 21 years. All right, Grace, obviously some merchants in that area would like some answers. What does the future hold for that shelter? Well, the city of Vancouver does tell us that the lease expires at the end of June and they are looking uh, potentially at other sites and relocation. But the city does add that it is important to provide shelter and support services for this neighborhood. Chris? No doubt. Okay, thanks very much, Grace. Grace Key reporting in Vancouver tonight. Summer road work is ramping up, and that means drivers need to slow down or pay the price. The Cone Zone Enforcement Blitz launched today. Police will be issuing tickets ranging from $196 for disobeying a flag person to $368 for using using an electronic device while driving. The goal, of course, is improved safety, stopping the senseless injuries and deaths that are seen every year involving roadside workers. Between 2009 and 2018, 13 roadside workers were killed and another 213 were injured and missed time from work as a result of being hit by a motor vehicle. During the enforcement blitz, what we're seeing are that it's consistently distracted driving. So that could be someone using their electronic device to be on the phone talking or texting. Road safety is also behind a new ask from BCAA. The company hopes the province will approve the use of blue lights on their trucks in case of roadside emergencies. Aaron MacArthur explains why they feel it'll work better than the current system. Orange cones. Sometimes this flimsy plastic is all that separates workers from traffic. At BCAA, tow truck drivers want something more. Often working with their backs to traffic, the job can be dangerous. It was a flatbed trailer, which was the length of the road. So that, in my, uh, you know, looking back at that, it probably could have cut me right in half. The company is asking the provincial government to allow it the use of flashing blue lights on the highway. Easier to see, BCAA says motorists simply aren't slowing down for amber lights alone. They're just driving faster than normal. It's busier out there for our guys. And uh, the blue lights would absolutely support them. According to BCAA, in North America, one tow truck driver every six days is killed on the side of the road. The Association of Police Chiefs didn't support the move to blue lights. But it is law in Saskatchewan already. The provincial government is now looking at the issue when there are contrasting opinions on an issue like that, that you get a thorough uh, understanding of what the problems are and there may be technical ways or maybe ways that, uh, that, that you can deal with those issues. Even on side streets, a call for the tow truck shows how dangerous it can be. Drivers not slowing down. 
not heeding the orange cones or the yellow lights and leaving everyone at risk of injury or worse. I've had a, a few close calls and as long as motorists abide by all the kind of regulations and kind of slow down for us, it makes it much more satisfying for us to do this kind of work. Yeah. Aaron McCarthy, Global News. Also, the fascinating life of Doris Day, one of the greatest entertainers of our time and tributes pouring in. That's coming up a little bit later on the news hour. But right now, the family of a B.C. man who died April 13th while ziplining in Thailand is hoping his death leads to change in a country that's very popular with Canadians. Spencer Donaldson was vacationing with his fiancée in Chiang Mai, where adventure tourism is a huge draw but has very little oversight. Catherine Urquhart reports on the details of Spencer's death and the help his family is getting from Ottawa. This is the last photo of Spencer Donaldson as the 25-year-old from Fruitvale, B.C. prepared to zipline the 5-kilometer Flight of the Gibbon in Chiang Mai, Thailand. Then he stepped off the platform and plummeted 12 meters to his death. His fiancée, Sydney, watched in horror. At a weekend memorial attended by hundreds, Spencer Donaldson was remembered as someone who loved life. Spencer was a genuine and kind person with a heart of gold. The sheer amount of people here today is a testament to the number of lives that he touched. The rides operator says Spencer completed orientation and was within the 125 kilogram weight limit, blaming the death on metallurgic failure. However, Donaldson's family says there's evidence cable clamps weren't installed properly. The matter is still under investigation. In a statement, the Donaldson family said, We are very happy to have the support of the Thai government and local authorities to implement change and accountability that will make safety in ziplining equal to other countries. Also concerned... Canadian officials. His tragic death happened on April 13th and on April 17th the government of Canada updated its travel advisories in Thailand. It's very important for people to understand that in adventure sports uh, international standards are not necessarily adhered to. We know how important that is to Spencer's family and it's very important to us as well. Flight of the Gibbon is advertised as a safe option, claiming to be certified by the Association for Challenge Course Technology. The association says, not true. Spencer Donaldson's family has hired Whistler Zipline owner Kevin Smith to review the circumstances, hoping to do whatever they can to prevent another tragedy. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. And Spencer's family has set up the Donaldson Legacy Fund. Details about how you can contribute to it, if you'd like, will be up on our website after this. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. This program. Well, yet another story tonight of how online purchases can backfire and send you down a black hole trying to get satisfaction. Andrew is here 
with the story. Anne. Yeah, very frustrated consumer. Thanks, mm-hmm. Chris. A Vancouver woman is sharing a customer service experience she'd rather forget. Back in January, she purchased a camera online. She received the package, but it, what was inside the box and how the matter was dealt with that had her reaching out to us for help. Tanya Key has wanted to take up photography as a hobby, so back in January of this year, she went online and purchased this camera on the Best Buy Canada site for over $500. In less than a week, she received a package. So I opened it up, and um, to my surprise, there was no camera in the box. It was just um, this camera bag. No camera? No. That's right, just an empty camera case. I didn't even know what to do. I couldn't believe it. I was like, this can't be happening. Immediately, Tanya reached out to Best Buy customer service and says she was reassured someone would follow up shortly. But Tanya says no one called her back right away and after reaching out repeatedly to the company, eventually she says she received an email from Best Buy. And they asked um, if the box appeared to be tampered with um, and uh, I said no, it, it doesn't seem to be tampered with. Um, and uh, they said that they were going to open a full investigation and that it would take... Um, I think they said like seven to ten business days. But two days later, Tanya says she received an email stating her claim was denied. Best Buy Canada stating, After a full investigation with our warehouse, it was found that there was no inventory or weight discrepancy with your package when it left our facility. Due to this, the short shipment claim has been denied. If you believe that the package was tampered with after it left our facility, we encourage that you work with your local law enforcement. It was really unfair. I mean, like, I I paid for this product and I expect to get it. Tanya says for weeks she requested to speak to someone on the phone about her case, but she says she was repeatedly denied. I asked them if there was any other information I could give them and, like, if there was anything else I could do to reopen the the case, and, and they never suggested anything else. Helpless, she turned to Consumer Matters. We reached out to Best Buy Canada along with pictures of the package. Within 24 hours, Tanya received a response. Best Buy Canada stating, Due to the high volume of sales during this time, it took our team longer than usual to respond to customer inquiries. This caused a delay in reviewing Ms. Kias' request. Adding, We did not receive the pictures attached to your email. The photos indicate the package could have been tampered with after being shipped from our facility. As a result of this new knowledge, we are offering Ms. Kias a full refund for the cost of the camera. I'm really happy that um, somebody recommended me to contact you guys because um, I don't know what would have um, been the outcome if I didn't. So, yeah, I definitely am so thankful. And Tanya did receive her full refund. We reached out to Best Buy for an interview, but we were told they didn't have anyone who could speak to us on camera. And if you have a consumer issue for me, there's my email address at consumermatters at globalnews.ca. All right, Anne, thank you very much. A major shakeup tonight in Canada's airline industry with news that WestJet is being purchased by the giant Onyx Corporation. Business experts say the deal should be good for both WestJet and its customers. But as Global's Sean O'Shea reports, some travelers aren't so sure. It started out with just three used airplanes selling discounted fares on Western Canadian routes. Now, 25 years later, WestJet is on the selling block with one very eager buyer. They know the industry and they have done their analysis and feel there's a good opportunity here for WestJet to be improved. I got to believe there's some truth to that. 
The suitor is Toronto-based Onyx, a private equity firm run by Jerry Schwartz, a company with a reputation for buying businesses with a struggling stock price, then turning them around. Onyx is a very good investor. They don't do dumb things. Onyx is prepared to pay $5 billion in cash for WestJet, offering shareholders what amounts to a 67% premium to its share price last Friday. With the deep pockets that, uh, that Onyx has, it will help, in my opinion, accelerate the international expansion of WestJet. Onyx is promising to keep WestJet's head office in Calgary, along with thousands of employees, important to a province that's lost so many jobs in the last few years. I'm very confident that this will be a, uh, a positive uh, investment for WestJet workers. I'm pretty relaxed now. WestJet CEO Ed Sims recently showed us the airline's plan to get bigger, including new flight service to Europe and a greater focus on lucrative business travel. Your phone, your book, you know, your tablets. Onyx first approached WestJet in March to talk about buying the company, an idea that has some travelers worried that the airline will change for the worse. Sad. I mean, I really like WestJet. I hope things don't change. You hear the stories of chop shops and... Uh private equity. I don't think it's going to be the same company anymore. But this professor believes the deal will benefit customers. I think it's good for Canadian consumers because you have uh, two strong competitors and, and Onyx should strengthen WestJet. It ultimately, it's good for consumers because it's going to ensure that we've got a very robust um, uh, second, uh, second carrier to Air Canada in this country. Nothing will change for months, however. The deal isn't expected to close until the end of the year. Sean O'Shea, Global News, Toronto. A quick return to our top story now, the fatal tragedy involving two float planes in Alaska carrying passengers from an Alaskan cruise that left Vancouver on Saturday. The latest reports have five people killed, ten injured. Both planes were carrying guests of Princess Cruises and crashed near Ketchikan. The FAA now says the planes collided in midair, but they don't know why. A cruise ship passenger we spoke to who was not on either flight says skies were overcast, but the weather was otherwise good. A few minutes after we were scheduled to depart, that's at 3.15 local time, um, so it was about 3.20 local time, he came on the PA announcement and told, told us in a very somber voice that there had been an incident involving two float planes, both of which had passengers from our cruise ship, the Royal Princess, on it. The incident happened in George's Bay, uh, he said that uh, there were uh, teams of uh, his his uh, crew that were with friends and family here on board the ship. Um, he said uh, that the uh, Coast Guard and uh, other people had been dispatched to, to respond to the incident. Well, as we mentioned, as many as 10 people survived. Their injuries include broken bones and lacerations. One person is still missing, and we'll update the story as we get more information. In the meantime, rattled passengers very thankful to make their way off a jet in Myanmar after an emergency landing. The plane's pilot is being praised for his skill in bringing the jet down safely without front landing gear, which failed to deploy. None of the 89 passengers and crew on board were injured. Actress Felicity Huffman broke down in a Boston courtroom today as she pleaded guilty in the college admissions scandal that has rocked the world of the rich and famous. Despite her taking full responsibility for bribing her way to a higher SAT score for her daughter, prosecutors are asking for prison time. 
Oscar nominee Felicity Huffman facing cameras in a real-life drama that could land the actress in prison. When addressing the judge today, Huffman's voice began to quiver, fighting back tears. She stressed her daughter didn't know about her actions. Trying to regain her composure, Huffman answered, yes, your honor, when asked, are you guilty of the charge? This was absolutely the move that she had to make. She had to plead guilty, accept responsibility, and cooperate with prosecutors to get the lowest possible sentence. After agreeing to plead guilty to conspiracy to commit mail fraud, prosecutors recommended the Desperate Housewives star pay a $20,000 fine and spend four months in prison. It comes as fellow actress Lori Loughlin moves closer to trial, like some other parents, rejecting a plea deal. She and her fashion designer husband are taking a big gamble as they face a maximum of 40 years in prison. Lori Loughlin is risking a substantial prison sentence by going to trial instead of pleading guilty. She may even end up pointing the finger at her husband, who was involved in more of the communications and more of the emails than she was. Lachlan's next court date will be June 3rd. Huffman should be here for sentencing in September. Meantime, federal sources tell NBC News in the coming weeks, more parents could be indicted in this widespread scandal. In health matters tonight, the battle over public versus private health care taking center stage once again in a Vancouver courtroom. The B.C. Health Coalition and Canadian Doctors for Medicare are fighting the constitutional challenge brought by the private Camby Corporation Clinic. Dr. Brian Day launched the challenge back in 2009, accusing the province of not providing timely medical services. The Health Coalition is arguing if the lawsuit is successful, it'll lead Canada down the path of an American-style two-tier health system. They're citing a similar experience in Quebec when laws around public health care were loosened. This is a widespread challenge to our health care law, and so um, the ruling in Quebec uh, that happened about 15 years ago um, did see some increased privatization in Quebec and uh, to the detriment of, of many Quebecers, and so wait times were not reduced. Uh, many people saw wait times increased in the public system, and that's a serious concern. Dr. Brian Day says the Health Coalition is ignoring six patient plaintiffs, two of whom died waiting for the trial and one of whom is paralyzed for life after a 27-month wait for spinal surgery. He also says suggestions they want an American-style health care system are ludicrous, considering the American system is ranked lower than the Canadian system by the World Health Organization. The mystery of this nightmarish insect found in North Vancouver might be partially solved. The couple who found it thought it might be a Japanese giant hornet, which can grow up to four centimeters long, or about two inches. The presence of the invasive species would be very bad news for both humans and bees. Tonight, Kwantlen Polytechnic University entomologist Cameron Late says it's probably not a Japanese hornet and most likely a species of wasp from Hong Kong. Vespa soror, which kind of rhymes with horror, is still an aggressive predator and a threat to native bees. UBC experts will be looking at the big bug to try to determine its exact ID, and we will let you know what they find. A different kind of sports highlight coming up. The finish of this 400-meter hurdle race is making all the highlight reels tonight, but probably not how you think. We'll show you right after the forecast with Yvonne Chang, I notice. Who is it? It's the first, first time I've seen anybody 
in our meteorology <laughs> department, but it's good to see you, Yvonne. And uh, yeah, a bit of a cool off happening now. Yeah, very different weather picture in comparison to what we had over the weekend, the past few days with the record-breaking heat. We've had building cloud cover through the day today, and we are already going to start to see a chance of showers this evening and moisture in the form of rain as we look ahead towards tomorrow. Here's a glance at the tower cam. So very ominous looking out there. We could see some shower activity, but not as heavy until we reach tomorrow. 16 with an easterly wind out of the airport at 11 kilometers per hour and our temperatures today only getting up to 16 where the average for this time of the year sits at 17. Now here's a look a few other spots across the province 26 degrees for Trail and Asoyuz and Cranbrook today topping out at 23 degrees. The system is going to continue to bring moisture instability but the bulk of it when we put the future cast into play will be for tomorrow morning across the south coast by the afternoon it pushes in towards the interior there is some instability with even the risk of a thunderstorm and it continues for the evening but then a nice break again between systems on our Wednesday throughout much of the day. Our Tuesday rainfall totals are anywhere between 15 and potentially up to 30 millimeters, taking us in towards our Wednesday and the northern half of the province. It'll be rain and heavy at times. Central and southern half, it's by the afternoon. A chance of showers continuing towards the evening. Highs of 20 for the Thompson Okanagan and along the south coast is where we are going to see that rain beginning for the morning, continuing through the day. A cooler one for tomorrow, so keep that in mind when you're heading out. Wednesday, a nice break and still unsettled for a Thursday, Friday with a chance of showers towards the end of the week. Tonight's weather window, a fantastic shot that was taken from Eric in Richmond. Chris? That, that is beautiful. And Yvonne, I've just been informed. I called you Yvonne Chang. I, I didn't know what I was happening that. there. I thought it was Yvonne something... Yvonne <laughs> Like, I know your name is Yvonne Shell. I don't know where that came from, but Yvonne Chang used to work here. That was a long time ago. She's probably liking the shout-out right now. Hi, Yvonne. All right, we've all seen a lot of dramatic finishes to track and field races, but none like this. A Texas A&M athlete with the unusual name of Infinite Tucker was neck and neck with a teammate as they came around the final turn of the 400-meter hurdles. At the finish line, instead of the traditional lean-in, Tucker decided to go full Superman. They both threw the 10th hurdle without a problem. It's going to be Tucker. Yes, he dives for the tape. He was second last year. He wasn't about to leave it on the track. And he... <laughs> you just that don't see that enough. That's spectacular. Tucker's coach joking he must have thought he was on the diving team. Good news for Tucker is that he did win the race. And he's okay. Squires here with sports. This did not look like it was going no. at one point to seven games. No, it looked like it was over mm -hmm. before they would get a chance to go back to Prince Albert. But it's not over. Uh, very few people, maybe not even the Vancouver Giants themselves, could have foreseen a Game 7 in the Western Hockey League Championship Series after losing 8-2 in Game 3 against Prince Albert and then following that up with a 1-0 loss in Game 4. But while momentum is a big thing during games... It's a lot more fickle in series. It doesn't often matter what happens from one game to the next. So Vancouver recovered, won games five and six, and now they have a one-game chance to win the West and make the Memorial Cup, which starts Friday in Halifax. Game seven is in PA, where Bowen, Byram, and the Giants are hoping to pull another upset. First period is over, no score, but Vancouver a chance here. Jared Dimitru in front, but Ian Scott made the save, so they are scoreless after one period in Prince Albert. Earlier today, Canada and Slovakia at the World Hockey Championships. Good BC boy, Shea Theodore, player of the game for Canada. This tied at 2-2 after Slovakia took an early 2-0 lead. Slovakia had a couple of two-goal leads. Mm. 
It was a big hit by uh, Marsh or so. Then uh, Adam Liska scores, so that made it 4-2. Canada came back to tie at 4-4. Then Richmond and the Vancouver Canucks' very own Troy Stetcher with the shot, finds its way through. Then it was 5-5. You saw Kawhi Leonard yesterday make a buzzer beater. Here's one for Canada. Mark Stone with one second left. Winner, 6-5 for Canada over Slovakia. It's uh, Mark Stone's birthday as well. So happy birthday. Wow. Happy birthday, Mark Stone. Yep. Canada wins it over Slovakia by the score of 6-5. to five. Well, it looks like Ryan Kessler's career is close to an end. He had a hip operation and it went well, but he'll more than likely not be able to play all of next season. And he's 35 years old as it is. He does have three years left in his deal with Anaheim, so he's not about to talk retirement just yet. But he did say he doesn't really know if he'll be able to play again. So last winter, the Vancouver Whitecaps changed just about everything with their team. That included going with a Canadian keeper that had very little MLS experience. But Max Crapo has not looked freaked out by playing on a bigger stage. Like this man, Sebastian Blanco, running at Rose. Decent ball in the box for Larry, and it's Max Crapo, who not only made the save, but did not spill any crumbs. Max Crapo was showing the form that earned him USL Goalkeeper of the Year honors in 2018. The 25-year-old is making save after save, and in the process, has established himself as the cap starting keeper. Just focus on every ball. Sometimes you have uh, 20 balls per game, sometimes you have just one or two, and you have to be perfect to keep your team in the game. So after that, the boys can say, hey, our goalkeeper is confident between the sticks, so that, that gives them confidence. And Every goalkeeper, is, I said it before, it's like a coach. You know, he needs an opportunity uh, to, to take it, and Max was waiting for his opportunity. He knew that he was ready to play at this level. He was given the opportunity by, by the Whitecaps, and he's answering well right now. Enter the box and a chance for two. Oh, it's a big save by Crapo. On-field performance is what ultimately counts. Max's three clean sheets in 10 starts already matching the Caps' shutout total of a year ago. But it's also helpful to have a bit of history with the man responsible for picking the Caps starting 11. For the better part of a decade, Mark Dos Santos has had the inside track of Crapo's potential. When I was coaching the Montreal Impact, Max was 15 years old when I called him up for first training session. Uh, he had already a lot of potential at the youth level. Um, at a very early uh, stage in his career, he was already called to play in the national team or to be one of the, the goalkeepers of the national team. He's a great shot blocker. I think you know everybody's seen that. He's been almost a nominee for you know save of the week every single week. And we know that that's what we expect from him. That's what he's brought to the table so far, and we're really happy. It's floated in. The winning shot by Kawhi Leonard last night looked like it was happening in slow motion bouncing off the rim four times. It froze everyone in the arena who were watching it, who were playing in that game. It froze everyone watching it around the world. For Philadelphia, it was like a slow-motion car wreck. For Toronto, it was four bounces to glory. Kawhi up top, looks at the clock, turns the corner for the win! That's something I never experienced before, um, game seven, game winning shot. So it was, um, you, know, you know, a blessing to just be able to, you know, get, get to that point and make that shot. 
It was about time the Raptors got one of their own dramatic playoff shots. They've had enough go against them over the years. Throws up the floater. But this only gets them to the final four. Up next is the Greek freak at Milwaukee, and the Bucks are the favorites. And that'll start on Wednesday. Can't wait for that series. So it'll be Kawhi against Giannis. Giannis. Yeah. Hollywood and many others are mourning the death of an icon tonight. Doris Day passed away at the age of 97 after battling pneumonia. The movie and TV superstar leaves behind a legacy almost unmatched in entertainment. Doris Day was known as a bubbly, effervescent actress, singer, and animal rights champion. She was born Doris Van Tappelhoff in Cincinnati in 1924. May I find my lost horizon. She sang with the leading big bands of her era and changed her name to Doris Day before breaking into the movies in 1948 in Romance on the High Seas. The movie propelled her to stardom and the film's song, It's Magic, became a huge hit. It's magic. That opened the doors to more movie musicals, including her favorite, 1953's Calamity Jane. Secret love's no secret. She made hundreds of recordings and sold millions of records. She was perhaps best known for a series of playful romantic comedies, co-starring legendary actor Rock Hudson. Her work in Pillow Talk in 1959 earned her an Oscar nomination. In all, she made 39 movies. After her film career, she had a successful run on television. After leaving Hollywood, she established the Doris Day Animal League and later the Doris Day Animal Foundation, dedicating her life to the humane treatment of animals. Her songs, her films, and her love of the four-leggers, as she called them, will be her lasting legacy. Chris Clackham, NBC News. Quite a smile. Lots of talent in that little bundle. We know what that's like, Yvonne Shell, don't we? Uh, cooled off a little bit. And it's going to continue to do so? Yeah, and it's been a while, but uh, we are going to see some rain developing. Uh, the bulk of it really will be for tomorrow morning, so a heads up and a cooler day for tomorrow. And then it'll be a bit of a break on our Wednesday. It'll be on and off, much cooler, and that's the trend that we're tracking this week. So uh, be prepared for a bit of a change. All right. Chanel, glad you're watching and you spotted my little blunder earlier. I'm going to get you. <laughs> I showed him my text. <laughs> All right. Thanks for watching. See you, everyone. <laughs>